0: Good morning. I'd like to speak today. Um, well, normally if I'm asked to speak at the beginning of year, I'd love to share on vision and climbing mountains and all the stuff ahead for the year, but John showed me that that's still coming. So um, when I chatted to him, I said, what I'd like to do is just talk a little bit about us in 2020, so I've labeled this, and it fits in with some of the, the stuff we've been doing this morning already around how to have personal breakthrough this year. So, by way of introduction, I don't know if you noticed that, uh, let me just sort out my iPad. Misbehaving, there we go. Um, I don't know if you noticed that 2019 wasn't very nice. And about three weeks ago, it bade us farewell, and it unfortunately handed the baton to 2020. And 2020 has arrived, and it's also not very nice. And so we have to understand the context in which I'm going to say these things because nations go through seasons and change. And our nation is going through some very hectic changes. And those of us that are staying, I know some people might be leaving, but for those of us that are here, we have a job to do for the kingdom in the will of God to help change our nation. So to sit here and moan and go on medication isn't going to help us. Our job is to get involved and to make something happen. I have I, I have a number of clients and friends that, that look at the future and look at future trends in politics and economics, et cetera, and I've been buzzing them a little bit in the last few weeks and saying, what is the, what is the word out there about South Africa 2020? And I get anything from more of the same, but a little bit better. I get glimmers of hope. I get, um, let's keep building, let's keep moving, because something's going to turn somewhere in the future. I get from the optimists, maybe four or five years. I get from the pessimists, never. Um, So we need to be aware that in the state of our nation, from all that has happened, especially in the last eight to 10 years, we have got a lot of work to do to put this beautiful, wonderful, God-given country back together again, and we need to heal this land. And so God is not going to do that with five angels with a mega power that are going to breathe one bit of fire over this country and we'll wake up tomorrow morning and we all changed. Don't you wish that would happen? Hey, I've wondered about that. When I get to heaven, I'm going to have a long chat to the angels and ask them how strong they really are. Then when I figure that out, I'm going to say to them, so why didn't you do any of that down here? And they'll probably give me some fancy theological answer and I'll be humbled and not be able to answer them. So... We are facing a year where we need to be full of faith and we need to have breakthrough you know whole people minister wholeness broken people minister brokenness so we're going to be broken messed up sinful people that's what we're going to give out if we are whole people and we're full of Christ and full of the Holy Spirit, then we can bring wholeness out there. And I know you might be, read the False Bay Echo. Um, if you want to get depressed on a Friday morning, just pull it out of your post box on a Thursday night. That's when I get mine. And on Friday morning, I don't let my family read the False Bay Echo. Not because it's badly written. It's just that the stories in there of what's happening in our valley can be very depressing. Now, I don't know if you remember, l- last year I preached a message on what did Israel look like in the time of Jesus? And a day in the life of Jesus' world, they had it worse off than we had it. And we, we actually analyzed what was their politics, their medical, their physiological, whatever it was. They, they had a bad time in, in that world. And many people woke up in Israel on a morning, on a Sunday morning or a Monday morning, and went, oh, here we go again. Under Roman rule, here we go again. I haven't got this or that. And Jesus woke up on a Monday morning with his disciples, and they walked on water, healed people, performed miracles, changed the world, and disrupted a nation. Same day, different people, different mindsets. So you can have that mindset of here's another day, or you can have a Jesus mindset with his disciples and go out there and do radical, amazing things. Same day, different mindset. So today I want to talk about seven different mindsets that we want to change or we want to embrace to get us into 2020. I'm going to make these notes available. So if you want to look clever and not take notes and just listen to me, that'll be fine. Okay, so let's get going. Number one, if we want to have a breakthrough year in 2020, the first thing you have to do, and you have to do this almost verbally, you have to agree with God that 2020 is his year And he has everything under control. He's been to the 31st of December. He's come back and we're good. He's never going to get there and say to the angels, what on earth happened down there in Fisher? No one told me. God is omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's everything. He knows everything. He's all powerful. He has all knowledge. There are no Rennie's tablets in heaven. Angels do not go for stress management courses on a Wednesday morning. They are all powerful. Angels aren't all powerful, but they have power. They are hooked in to the most powerful being in the universe who created them. And they are on this earth, they're actually in this room right now, doing God's bidding. We are surrounded by a host of angels as we speak. So we have to agree that if we're going to walk into 2020, we're doing this holding the hands of the most powerful, loving being in the universe. And he will not lead us astray. And when thoughts come in your mind that he's gone off to Afghanistan on holiday, he has not. He is here forever. Can we embrace that? So point number one, agree with God that this is his 2020 and he's inviting us to join him this year. He's got a very full diary for 2020 for all these 7 billion people trying to breathe the same oxygen all the time. And he has purposes and plans for all these lives, and we are part of changing those lives. So if you're into self-pity and feeling sorry for yourself, this is the wrong room, you can pop next door because we're going up. You see, we're still going up the mountain. You say, I never stop. Okay. Number two, beware of fake news. There's a lot out there that is going to break down your spirit and break down your faith. And a lot of it isn't always true, it's sensationalist. And I've shared this story before, but let me share it again because someone shared this, uh, a, guy, a gentleman by the name of Lauren Cunningham who started YWAM, and when he used to lecture us, he was always talking to us about changing the way that we think and we look at things. And he said, beware of the media in terms of the way they see things. And he said, if you had a rugby field and South Africa was playing New Zealand, and the only camera that was allowed on that rugby field was on the South African touchline, okay? So at half time, what would you know? That the New Zealanders have been over it a few times, that the balls have gone through the post a few times, and the score was a whopping 31. That's what you would know. And then at the end of the game, you know the score was 42. So you would walk out of the stadium, in your mind, thinking, boy, New Zealand, the All Blacks scored 42 points against us. What's missing from the story? The camera on the other line, okay? The enemy puts his camera only on one line down on on one touch line, and that is what's not working. What the enemy is doing, all of the negatives. Most of the news you hear will be negative. But I'm looking for the camera on the other touch line. I haven't heard CNN this morning talking about what Jesus has been doing in America. I've heard many prophetic words and wonderful news of what God wants to do for America, but I never hear that in the media. I have to go find somewhere else for it. So we are always in front of these things. It doesn't matter the size of these things or whether they're made of paper, but you're always in front of a screen of some kind. And we are getting fed more information now than we've ever been fed in our entire lives. Okay. We've got the thumb generation, you know the, the kids that don't have thumbs that can open Coke bottles or you know, just flip them off the, like this, because we've got this thing of touching, touching devices to get information at us. and I would love us to have a paper Bible Sunday. You know It'd be nice just to have people not bring, you know, bring documents. let's get back to the old days. Sometimes it's good just to go a bit old-fashioned, but there's so much stuff that's out there. And I think that when we see all of this negativity, the result is anxiety and fear. And in 1 Peter 5, verse 6 to 8, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And then he says, cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. But the verse right after that, he goes to this fake news stuff. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Why? Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy is on the lookout and what Peter says is you need to be alert. Let me explain alert. Imagine if you had a little radar on top of your head spinning around here and every time a negative thought was detected it would ping you. Every time a positive thought was detected you would let it in. How many pings would you get in a day? Hey? Sound like an alarm that doesn't go off. The Bible tells us that we need to be alert. And when incoming traffic is coming in and it is not positive, it's not godly, we have, we have got to be on the alert. And we've got to see this is the devil prowling around like a lion, thankfully a toothless lion, but still got some power. And we've got to say, no, I'm not letting that in. My radar picked it up. You know, on borders of countries, if air traffic comes in and they don't identify themselves as they cross the border, you're supposed to scramble a jet to go and get hold of them and tell them that they've got to get out. That's how we protect our borders. You should have the same thing, and so should I, as we listen to information. Get out. You're not allowed in. Because I'm not listening to fake news in 2020, because that is going to steal my faith. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 as well, it says, this is what this is what I love as Christians. Eh? There's some things we love to obey, like come and tithe. That's good, hey? Eh? But how about this one? There are so many verses on this, and we are so notoriously bad at making this sin happen, although we've been commanded not to. Be anxious about nothing. Been anxious in the last six to seven years? Just once? Worried? Concerned? Jesus speaks from Matthew 6. We go all the way through. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Come to me. All your burden. I'm with you. And yet we have got master's degree in anxiety and stress. And yet we're commanded, we're not requested, we're commanded not to do it. And I'm also part of this. But it's so funny, why can't we overcome this thing? Imagine something, you know, I don't know what anxiety is. Could someone explain that to me? And stress doesn't. Because the world is full of it, but we've got to learn to overcome it. So it says, don't be anxious for anything, but in every situation. Now, here's what we're going to do. Pray, petitioning, thanksgiving, presenting our request to God. And when we've done this, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a great gift? Instead of anxiety and fear, through prayer, we are offered peace. So what happens? We get into a situation where we feel anxiety and, and, and fear. We pray. We pray. Not, oh, Lord, I'm sure you are busy and you won't help me. That's not a prayer. That's unbelief. We pray a prayer coming to our Father in simple faith, and then we receive peace. And remember victory. I've preached on this before. Victory isn't peace apart from. Victory is peace in the midst of. When I'm standing in my trial and I have peace, I have victory. It doesn't help way after the trial to say, you know, I'm so at peace now that the trial's passed. That isn't peace. That's not victory. You've just got away away from it. Okay? Number three. Cool one, this one. I'm going to use a, a road analogy. Ring fence potholes and don't close the whole highway. When I speak to a lot of my clients around business, they tell me about business pressures and strengths, uh, uh, stresses that they're experiencing. And often they become so negative, they go like, Murray, cash flow and sales are... Absolutely killing me. Every day I wake up with this knot in my tummy, cash flow and sales. This is the problem. I know anyone in business here doesn't identify with this. And I say to them, how long have you had your business? No, 10 years. And has your business been doing well for 10 years? Yeah, we go along. We have good years and bad years and good months and bad months. And I said, have you got a client base and have you got a reputation? Yes, I've got all of that. So I said, if you think of your business as like a road from here to Johannesburg, 1,350 k's or thereabouts of roadway on a highway and we've got two potholes. One's called cash flow, and one's called sales, and one has emerged out of De and the other one is out of Bloemfontein. I said, would you actually close the entire highway from here to Cape Johannesburg because of those two potholes? And they said, absolutely not, why? We just can't. The road's open, except for the potholes. So I said, what do you do? I said, you put yellow and whatever tape they put these days, red and white tape around, you put there under construction, and you go and fix the potholes, but you keep the road open. God declares that your road, your highway, is open for 2020. It is not closing. He is with you. But potholes will emerge. Please do not see the pothole equal to the highway. This thing of giving up and falling into a hole and being at the end of everything, it doesn't help. All right? As someone said, when you get to the end of your rope, tie not in the end and hang on. Something's going to work out. I used to have a, a wonderful prayer partner, Auntie May, used to pray for me for many, many years until she went to be with the Lord. I huh? She's still praying for me. Someone's praying for me up there. Um, but she used to say to me, Murray, this has come to pass and it has not come to stay. This is a bend in your road and not the end in your road. And we prayed this morning about people needing hope. This is a bend in your road that you're going through. God isn't sitting in his heaven going, I have no other clue as to where to take you. We just see cul-de-sacs all around us. We are hooked into the most creative being in the entire universe. He could rain down diamonds upon us right now, and he wouldn't even touch a millionth of his reserve. This is who we are hooked into. The greatest, most loving being in the universe. And we have to believe that when things do go wrong, and Jesus told us that we're not here on an air-conditioned pillow being fed by angels with grapes and playing harps. This is not happening here. That's up there. We get confused between sanctification and glorification. Sanctification is what you do on this little planet for about 70 to 90 years, becoming like Jesus. Glorification is when we get to heaven and we are set free and we can see him as he is. And you're not going to get glorification on earth. You're going to get it up in heaven. So sanctification is when we work out our salvation. We work out stuff. So things are going to happen. Potholes are going to emerge. But we have to learn to fix them. So when my my clients fix their sales, and when they fix their cash flow, and I come to them and I say, now? No, now the water's flowing beautifully. Everything's right. The road's open. Whatever analogy you want to use. And I say, turn around and have a look back at the fear and anxiety you had around cash flow and sales. I said, did you need to be that dramatic? And they go, I didn't. I said, yeah, so drama, drama. Let's get over the stuff and let's move forward. This is going to happen. Our job is to fix it pronto. Okay, I'm one of these pronto people. I like to make decisions to get moving, okay? Waiting around is not like my stuff. Ingrid's tried to, after 33 years of Mary, he's trying to make me slow down a little bit, but I'm getting there, I suppose. Although I have said one thing I am going to wait for. I've said to God that I love my job on earth so much that when he does come and get me, and I'm in the middle of a session with one of my clients, and he taps me on the shoulder and says, Mary, I'm stopping your heart in about three seconds. I'm going to turn around and say to him, Can I just finish this up? I committed to two hours, and I'm not done. So just hold it up, and then you can take me. So that's my one deal about waiting. I'm happy to wait. Okay. so ring fence the potholes that don't close the highway. Make sense? Okay. Number four, keep your eyes on the who and not on the what. I was speaking to a a gentleman on, on Friday at one of my sessions, and he was talking to me about religion. And he said to me, "Mary, religion is mysterious. And I said, but religion isn't mysterious because it can't be known. And he said, he said, if you know and understand religion, he said, then the mystery's over, so you lose it. So why do you want to understand it? And then I said something really cool. I was quite proud of myself, actually. Uh, I said to him, I said, but in my world, in my religion, getting to know my religion is getting to know someone. So when I get to know someone, it's the beginning and not the end of the mystery. It's the starting point. We have a who. I've studied, and I'm sure many of you have as well in different times, many philosophies. Because I had a professor that taught me, and he said to me, Marie, you need to know what you believe in why over and against what you do not believe and why. So he said, don't tell me that you're a Christian if you don't know why you're not a Muslim. So we had to study comparative religions, we had to study philosophy, we studied a whole lot of stuff. Why am I not a humanist, a rationalist? Why am I not one of those people? marxists or Marxist, I'm Leninist, why am I not this? I know why I'm not one of those, and I'm very grateful. Because these people do not have a very, most of them don't have a who, they have a philosophy. And many of them that do have a who, it's not a very nice who. We have Jesus Christ as our who. So when there's a what, remember the 30 degree rule? Raise your gaze, 30 degrees. And see who's above the what. And it's Jesus. And he tells us whether we can handle this thing or not. He will lead us because he's the who that tells us. And if he does, he gives us the power. I might have shared a story uh, here, but it's worth repeating. A dear friend of mine who's not well, Floyd McClung, um, his brother, I think it was, was in, um, in, uh, in Russia. And the Lord spoke to him about going to... Uh, witness to the KGB so he went trying to find out how to get to them and they said he, he, he felt he should hand out Bibles in the Red Square and if you want to find the KGB that's quite a good way to get hold of them <laughs> they sort of arrive in plain clothes and they did and they arrived and they arrested him and they took him into a cell a holding cell it's, you know it's a white wall big lights whatever and they said to him you are a very foolish man they said, because you've come here to talk to us, which he did share, but we have the power to take away your life, and no one will even know that you've gone. And he said something pretty profound back to them. He said, you could never, ever take away my life. And they said, why not? He said, because I've given my life away already, and the person I gave it to will need to give you permission to take it. And he, the who, did not give permission, and he left witnessing and was set free. We have a who that we look to. Now, that's pretty heavy. I mean, I don't think we'd have a day as bad as that, okay? Now, don't go and run around buying Bibles and handing them out and then tell me you had a great day. And we've read the story and we'll, we, we've known it and we've shared it too so many times, Matthew 14, we, we talk about Jesus walking on the water and Peter walking on the water. Don't you love the little, little piece there that most people miss? It says that Jesus, the, the, the disciples were straining at the oars and they're out there on the water and they're, going going along and uh they're not very happy out there and jesus comes walking on the water and it says i love it it says and jesus was about to pass them by Hmm? he's going like okay guys cool cool i'll catch you later i've got to do some stuff on the other side i'll just pop over there and sometimes when we are straining at the oars of our life we think jesus who can walk on water has passed us by where was he when but doesn't stop him being the who And in this instance in Matthew, he actually, Peter's bold enough to say, can I walk on the water with you? And the little phrase that I've highlighted here in my scripture was, and Lord, he said, Lord, if if it's you, Peter replied, still wasn't sure, tell me to come to you on the water. And in verse 29, he says, come. He says not what he had to do, it's who was calling him to do it. The power wasn't in the water. The power was in Jesus doing something crazy with the molecules in the water to let him walk on it. And sometimes I'm in a bit of a a bother. I'm in different pressure. And I'm looking this way and I'm going, gee, how am I going to get through this? And I get this little tap on my shoulder and he says, who is telling you to do this? Do I not have all the resources in heaven and earth to lead you and guide you through this situation? Would you rather look to me? Now, we know the story, but why did Peter not walk all the way to the beach? Because I think he should have. In fact, when I I watch the video in heaven, I'm going to talk to Peter and tell him that he should have got his act together and gone for a long walk, because that would have made the Bible a little bit longer, and we also would have had an amazing story. But Peter takes a few steps, and he's down. And what does Jesus do? I love it. First, he reaches out, and he grabs him, pulls him up, and then he gives this most wonderful word of encouragement to Peter. Isn't it great? Are oh, you of little faith. Isn't that wonderful? He expected so much more because Jesus was there. His presence was there in such great, in, in such great presence that, of course, you could have walked on this water. Do you not know who I am? I mean, I, I could have leveled this thing out like a concrete path all the way to the beach. And he almost admonishes Peter for not being of more faith. Peter's going, do you know I just committed a miracle? Do you know when the book is written, I'll be the only other person that ever did this? And Jesus is going, no, we could have gone further. Make some sense? Jesus wants you to go further. You know, just go crawling into heaven. Lord, I paid my taxes. You know, we just made it. No, I was generous and gave 10,000 rand extra on top. You know, let's do something extra. Let's trust God for miracles. You know, when, when I joined YWAM, I was there for 18 years. We didn't get a salary. I have no idea to this day how Ingrid and I existed. But every month... We would go to our bank account, close our eyes and press, do you want to know your balance? Take out the piece of paper, throw it in the bin, and then just walk away and not see it at all. Because you knew it was always under about 50 rand at that time. But we found God doing miraculous things where we had absolutely no ability to do it ourselves. Only because we believed in the who. So if you want victory this year, think about who is asking you to be in this business, to be in this marriage, to be in this relationship, to be with these children, to be doing this community work, whatever it is. And if he has asked you, you have all the permission of heaven to succeed. All the permission of heaven to succeed. Okay. Number five is a formula. O minus C equals M. And this is not mathematical. It is psychological. O minus C equals M. O, obligation, minus C, Commitment. Obligation, if you're obliged to do something, you oblige yourself to do something, but you're not committed to it, equals M, mess. Obligation minus commitment equals mess. Boundaryless Christians are in serious trouble. Set boundaries this year and only commit to something that you can feel fully obliged to doing. Don't run around trying to save the world. Jesus saves the world. We help where he asks us to help. He asks us to join him at certain intersections along the way and don't get in his way. Sometimes Jesus is expecting someone else to help and we go in and help and we don't do a very good job with it. So, if you feel obligated, make sure you're committed to that obligation. Because if you're not committed to that obligation, it will be a mess. Make some sense? So set boundaries to your principles and your values. These are the railway tracks that keep you on track. I am absolutely dogged in my determination to live a life of simplicity. I hate complexity. When I see complexity, I attack it because complexity is full of noise, messes, and stuff. And when I have a complexified mind, my life does not go well. Have you ever had those days when everything's just a mess? We need to remove the noise and complexity of this year because it's going to come running at you at a thousand miles an hour. And you're able to say no. Because sometimes being responsible, we can be over-responsible and take on everybody's stuff. Ask God where your channel is of what you've got to do that will not result in a mess. Number six. This is one we all have to practice. On this earth let me give you an analogy to show you how what a miracle it is that we live every day we are like we are like marshmallows floating around in a meteorite storm one one car hits you and your body's messed someone attacks you verbally or or physically you're gone your business goes and you just fall apart We are fragile, fragile, fragile. The psalmists write about the fact that we are like, we wither like, what? Grass in the noonday sun. I've never gone and said, geez, look, I want to use grass as as an analogy for strength. Okay, I mow grass. Okay, grass isn't very strong stuff. And the Bible talks about us being like that. So we have to, A, be hooked into God, but secondly, be nice to yourself this year and be gracious to yourself. Take time to love yourself, it's a command. In fact, we love others as we love ourselves. And sometimes we're so busy, being busy, that we forget to look after me. And if we kill the goose that lays the golden egg, we don't lay any more eggs or inferior eggs. We're not a good husband, a good wife, a good parent, a good business partner, whatever it is, because we are not looking after ourselves. And I spoke a while back about a, a, a wonderful cab site up in Mokalisburg, up near Gauteng where we used to go for camps when I was a child and in my youth called Kyara, C-Y-A-R-A. And I never knew what Kyara meant. And they told me once that Kyara was what Jesus said to his disciples. And it said, come ye apart, rest a while. Sometimes you need to come apart from the fight, from the fray, and rest a while. The warrior is also a child. And sometimes we lay down our shield and we lay down our spear and we walk to our Father and we hop on his knee and we say, here I am in the midst of my stuff. I'm in the midst of my journey, the midst of my pain. And I come and I lean on you. Can I put my head on your loving shoulder? And there we are replenished. Because it's messy out there. But people who don't have Christ, they just stay in messy. And then we read their books and we watch their videos and we try and become like them. Wrong. We need to find the character and love of God. And we need to hook into that. Single day. Am I going off battery? I'm talking too long. My battery's even fading. <laughs> Better hurry up here. So Matthew 11:28, 28, we know it. Come unto me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Here's the part. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, we know in the days of Jesus, the way you got around and transported anything was with animals. And you put a burden on them, and you would yoke them together so they wouldn't run away. And you would have two or four or six animals in formation that were yoked. And so Jesus says, I want you to be yoked, and I want you to have a burden. But he said, Carry my burden. And what I do is I come to the cross and I say to God, this is really heavy right now. I come and I lay down my stuff, my fears, my burden to you. And we lay it down and we get rid of it. And he says, good. Now, let me tell you what you should be carrying of this. And he helps us to figure out how to make sure that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. If we have Christians that have uneasy yokes and heavy burdens, we're not doing what the scripture says. We need to carry it, but carry it with his power. Number seven, set great goals. I got it in. I believe that a compelling vision makes small things meaningful. I'll say that again. A compelling vision makes small things meaningful. If I know that I want to be significant and not just successful in my life, and I chose at the age of about 42 to become a primarily significant human being, and success was not part of that picture necessarily, that every day I wake up, God gives me lives I'm allowed to change. And so when I've got clients that are going through hard times, clients that won't pay me, clients that are messing around, whatever it is, those small things are still meaningful because I have a compelling vision. I want to ruin people for the ordinary to become extraordinary human beings. Okay? That's what I want to die somewhere in great, let write that down for my tombstone. If Murray ruined people for the ordinary. That would be just fantastic. You can start pricing that up now. Um, Have a God-given picture for 2020. Okay? I told you the other day that I turned 60 this year. And I have plans, uh, if God will give me breath, to turn 100. Ingrid's flabbergasted at that strange request. I want to live to 100. And I've already started working. It's a fascinating exercise. I've already started working on a goal sheet to get me to 100. I've got 40 years of Gold to fill in. It's quite busy. And I'm having a great old time to see what's going to happen. When I'm 100, I might just say, can I stay a little longer? I've got some more stuff to do. I've just another book to write or whatever it is. But I want to make sure that every single year is compelling. And this year is 2020, and I want to make this one compelling. And this wakes me up every day with like an absolute get-go in me because I've got stuff to do. And I've written it down, and I want to make sure I can tick it off. So let's get going. So it's no time for pity and fear and anxiety. Let's get going and moving up the mountain. But let's take us with us. Okay, can I summarize? Because we finished nice and early, John. I said, good, eh? So let me just go through the seven. Number one, agree with God that this is his year, and we're joining him. Number two, no fake news. Number three, ring-fence the potholes, and don't close the whole highway. Number four, keep your eyes on the who. And don't get mesmerized by the what. Number five, O minus C equals M. Don't create messes in 2020. Number six, be gracious to yourself and look after yourself. Come unto Him and He will give you rest. And number seven, climb amazing mountains in 2020. So in conclusion, let's allow this to soak into our spirits, to trust God for his awesome year. He is not concerned about what happens in a nation in terms of him leaving or going away. He always has plans for nations. He's the God of the nations, all right? There's no nation God gives up on. And he needs people in that nation to be the change agents. He's not using the angels this time. He's using us. And we've got to be healthy to be able to be effective for him. So this is not just about us being blessed. But part of the Abrahamic covenant is that we are blessed to be a blessing. He will bless us so we can give blessing out. Now, you know, my little prayer technique that I've shared before, palms up, palms down. So we're going to do that quickly. And let me explain it if you're new. So it's a technique I've learned from The monks of old, I wasn't there with them at the time, unfortunately. I'm I am sixty but not that old. And they had a technique called palms up, palms down. And what they would do is they'd start coming into God's presence, and the first thing they would do is just take their palms and just lay their palms down. And in that it was a symbol of laying down before God everything that was on their minds and hearts. Laying down their fears, the anxieties, the things that were bothering them, and coming to quiet peace in Christ. And then they would quietly turn their palms over and they would turn their palms back and receive everything from him that he wanted to give them. Today, I sense there's some of us here that need to just take our palms and turn them down and just give back to him. Come to the cross and lay down the fears, the anxieties, the thoughts about this country in 2020. Then we're going to turn our palms back up again and receive a fresh infilling of the mighty Holy Spirit to empower us to do everything we've got to do the, to the knock to knock the socks off 2020 so can we close our eyes can you just take your palms and just turn them down on your on your lap on your legs and the symbolism here is i'd like you to right now in your own little bubble i'd like you to come to christ and just see yourself kneeling at the foot of the cross and just i'd like you just to name in your mind the things that you need to lay down before him those things that are making you worried or anxious those things that uh, are stealing your joy, the lies that the enemy has tried to wrap around your brain. And I just want you just to do some business with God, just quickly and quietly. And just would you just relinquish those back to him. Just tell him that you want to give it all back. Sorry that we did this, Lord. But I just come to you as your child. And I just kneel before you. And I lay down those anxieties, those concerns those things that take me away from your presence. Just name them in your mind, just for a few seconds. If you need you more of this at home, you're welcome. But for time, I'd like you now to turn your palms back over. And I'd like you to say, Lord, I now receive your gracious, unconditional love. So I'm praying this prayer over us. I receive your gracious, unconditional love. And take a deep breath with me. I receive a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit to fill me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, to give me every bit of power and ability I need in Christ to face what's outside those doors as I head out of church today. And I now surrender back to you and receive from you all that heaven has to give and the gift is great and everyone said well thank you Murray that was absolutely amazing yeah I just want to just speak to to maybe a couple of you that are here that are maybe going you know I'd, I'd love some prayer around either coming back to Jesus or salvation for the first time. Would you just close your eyes just for a couple of seconds, just again? Father, we ask right now that you would just move in people's hearts this morning, people that have been far away from you. Maybe you're sitting here and you're going, I've drifted, I feel so far away from Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here and you've never accepted him into your life ever. And this morning I want to just pray with you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just touch lives right now in Jesus' name. Come and move, Lord.